You're listening to The Dime Podcast, Business Simplified. For so many listening, we're guessing you didn't start your business so you could run and keep the books. We're guessing you did not take on becoming an entrepreneur, a manager, or a leader because you love writing systems and processes or scheduling and tracking. Of course not. Running a business is not why you started your business, or it's not why you accepted the position to lead. You have a passion for a product, an idea, for people, and a lot of this business of running the business is just getting in the way of the real reason you started your business. The Dime Podcast is here to help. We want to help simplify and clarify all the detail work of running your business so you can focus on the real reason you started your business. My name is Rob Lott, and I'll be your host for these conversations. Let's get to it. Oh my goodness, Ben Habeck is back behind the mic. Welcome, Ben. Welcome back Thank to your you. own podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, how does it feel, man? How does uh, how how are th- how have things been? Are you doing okay? We're doing good. You know, the whole COVID thing has been weird, I think, for everybody. But our family has had some good time together, and it's it's interesting not leaving the house for a few days at a time. Um, <laughs> but the kids are back in school now, and. Uh, you know, our family is starting to feel a little bit more in a routine and a little bit normal. So we're feeling, we're feeling really good. Well, you bring up uh, the COVID situation that everybody in the world is dealing with, has been dealing with for, for quite some time. And I do want to come back to that in a little bit. But our purposes of, of chatting today and uh, presenting this relaunch, this this new episode of, of the Dime podcast is because we're in a season right now, September, of course, um, we're in a season right now, August, September, where it's kind of a natural beginning point for a lot of people. Um, there's January 1st, of course. Uh, but I feel like for a lot of people, September is another starting point. September 1st, it's a reminder and a reset maybe of New Year's resolutions and a home stretch to finish 2020 goals. Summer is over. It's time to get back to work. So for, for us to start things, we still have to make room by stopping some things. So in our life and in our business, Ben, Here's what I'd love to get your thoughts on today. I'd love to get your thoughts on starting new things, stopping old things, and maintaining the essentials. Are you up for mm, that? I'm up for it. Sounds great. <laughs> so right right from the beginning, you and I have had many conversations over the years. And one of the conversations that we had, I, I remember saying to you that I, I kind of have a problem where, you know, we've heard of people launching new projects and launching new products. And I though have a problem and maybe some of our listeners have this same kind of, kind of issue where I get stuck. You know, we've heard the ready, aim, fire mantra and, uh, I get stuck in the ready, aim, 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 aim. Uh, I get stuck there and I, and sometimes it's hard for me to pull the trigger. So as to say on the starting pistol to start the race and, uh, and start the project. So, uh, but you, when I had a conversation with you, I said, no, Ben, you seem to be like ready, fire, aim. And you go, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually ready, aim, fire, 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 fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk a little bit about your starting process of whenever it's time to start something new. Uh, talk a little bit about your process for that. Let me take one step back first, especially during this COVID time, the last five or six months or so. I, I've actually spent a lot of time sort of digging into and researching what I would call sort of high performing people. 
So uh, people like LeBron James or mm. Kevin Hart, people like um, Jack Nicholas, and I've I've been trying to make observations, and I'm I'm a big. <laughs> this will sound a little bit cheesy, but I'm a big lists guy. I I like to just make lists. Um, that's I don't write in uh, narrative. I write in lists. And so, um, as I've been sort of studying some of these people, I've been making lists and I, I pulled that list out yesterday and, and this may sound a little pretentious. I'm it's, it's not meant to be that way, but the very first thing I have on the list is that I think most of these high performing people that I've looked at are very intentional. And when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, every time I try to start something, I'm trying to be very intentional so is this is this something that um, is going to move my family closer to where my family wants to be? So, for example, Audrey and I, years ago, we sat down and came up with a family vision and a family mission statement and family values. And that sounds sort of cheesy, but now we, with our kids, we can say, when is your day of rest this week? Or, you know, are you taking time to love your neighbor and what does that look like? So whenever I start something new, I say, okay, what is this that I'm actually going to do? And is it, does it fit within sort of my worldview or, or where my family and me and my business, where we want to actually be? And if so, then I start a process and, you know, I happen to own an accounting firm. And so, so people think I'm a, I'm an accountant <laughs> and I am, <laughs> I have an education in accounting, but I'm, I'm not a CPA. Most accountants are far more maybe thoughtful or they're far more diligent about their, their due diligence. So all the, all the work on the front end, they're, they're far more intentional about that. I, I'm more so looking at it from a macro perspective and saying, does, is this what's, what's the next best step for my family and for me and for my business? And if so, then I want to, I want to pursue, you know, what that may look like. You talk a lot about intentionality when you, as you are starting things, as you are beginning things. And I think that that's incredibly helpful because I also know you to be somebody that when something is not working, you pull the plug on it really fast. So would you agree? Are you a slow to start person and a quick to finish something type of type of person? Talk about that. Good, good question. So I would, I think I would like to be slower to start. But I think I'm actually fairly quick to start and I am very quick to end. So <laughs> if it's not working, let's just not do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm really good at just saying, stop. No, we're not going to do this. It's done. Let's pivot or change directions. So I think I'm slow or I'm quick to jump into something and quick to end it. Do you have any kind of mechanism uh, with your team, with your staff, for getting feedback from them um, in three levels of what should the company start doing, stop doing, keep doing? What should you, maybe as the boss, what should you start doing, stop doing, keep doing? And then how do you give feedback to them in regard to those two areas of, you know, hey, here's where I think some of the things that we should stop doing, we should start doing, and we should keep doing, but also you as an individual, uh, you should, <laughs> you should stop doing this. You should start doing this and you should keep doing this. Can you talk about maybe that first one? Do you have conversations regularly as a team? I, I think that any organization that says they do have regular conversations about those things as a team, um, is probably 
not telling the entire truth. Um, <laughs> How so? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that people get stuck in the whirlwind. You know, that's a that's from the Four Disciplines of Execution book. But but it's the reality. It's the here and now. It's what's in front of us today. And I think I think that most people end up having all the best intentions, but they get so focused on the whirlwind that they wake up six months down the road and they say, wait, have we done anything we thought we were going to do or we expected to do? So I'm not saying that I'm a high performing individual, but I, I am a fairly intentional person. And so I am just very, very intentional every year. And I've done this for at least 15 years, maybe more to sit down and say, uh, reflect back on last year, what, what happened last year, uh, look at, and when I say last year, I say, you know, in November, I'll look at 2020 of this year and I'll say, okay, what do I, what, what do I want 2021 to look like? But I, about 15 years ago, I created this little, (laughs) this little guide that I go through for the business. And I start with leadership and I look at what, what were our goals and leadership this year and what did we actually accomplish and what did we not accomplish? What, what has been going well and what hasn't been going well? Uh, I look at operations. I look at sales and marketing and I look at finance. And then I also have one, I call it the wild card, which is basically anything else that I'm thinking of that may not have fit into one of those four or five buckets. I sort of put in the wild card, but I've been doing this for years and years and I do it myself. I ask our team to do it. Uh, our leadership team, I ask them to do that. Uh, and then we all get together one time a year and we go through and we collaborate on it. And then we, we walk away and decide these are the three things in each of the categories that we're going to focus on as an organization. So we're, we're very, very intentional about that. I should probably do that stuff with my family as well, but um, <laughs> I'm just not as great at doing it there. It's, it's, I think it's harder to quantify, I think. So um, we had mentioned COVID at the beginning of our conversation. And, you know, this pandemic has turned every, you know, pivot has become, I think, the theme for so many businesses, so many companies of going, hey, we, we need to figure out a new way of doing some things until things get back to normal. And what we're learning quickly is that getting back to normal is probably not going to be a thing anytime soon, if ever at all. And the normal that we knew before is not going to be the normal moving forward. So let me ask you this. Are there things that have happened over the last five, six months for you as a leader, as a, as a business owner, are there things that you have, that you've gone, Oh my goodness, actually, because we've been forced into a pivot, because we've been forced into new processes and new systems and new ways of doing things, we've actually found better ways of doing things. Are there things that you have um, systems and processes that you feel like we're going to carry these over into our new normal? Yeah. So <clears throat> our company started as a virtual company. So we're 12 and a half years old now, and all of our employees have always worked from home. So there's a lot of companies that are pivoting, for example, and saying, okay, everybody's had to be in the office up until now, and now they all have to work from home. Um, So that's a big change for them. For us, this is just, we've been able to just keep going like we've always, always gone. The types of analysis and things that are relevant today are very, very different than what was relevant a year ago or even nine months ago. Um, so we're looking at giving trends in a church, for example, very differently today than we were 
uh, six or nine months ago. But and and I'd like your feedback on this, actually, Rob, because I've noticed less of a pivot. So for me, a pivot would be a restaurant that says we can't have people in our location anymore. So we're going to become a what do they call it? A commissary. Right. We're just oh. a, a kitchen. That yeah. seems like it would be a big pivot. What I've noticed and I am most impressed by is the restaurant that says we can't have more than X number of people in the location. So we're going to convert our parking lot and our front stairs and our back patio. And we're not just going to have a a place for people to park. We're going to set tables up all around the building under the tree out on the corner. And you you know, that, (laughs) that to me is way more creative and way more exciting. And I think that there's a lot of people restaurants and others that are going to realize that they could have just been more creative prior to the pandemic. <laughs> and maybe yeah. they'll start thinking more creatively now, but I don't know if that's necessarily a pivot. What are, what are your thoughts? I am noticing that a lot of companies, a lot of businesses, and, and you're right, that maybe um, creativity was not necessarily a value that they needed to have before, but now cre- everybody is going, oh my goodness, what do we do? We need to get our creative minds together and everything that we have been doing before, we that is all out the window. We need to start fresh and start new, um, but at the same time, still maintain why we're here, what we're doing. Um, I agree with you. There might be a sense of uh, a pivot uh, might be that you change the business altogether. <laughs> you change the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the end product uh, altogether. But I think it, it is maybe more creativity coming into play. I've noticed there's a resurgence of drive-in movie theaters. And, and it's because, and it, my wife and I went to one actually for my birthday a couple months ago, we went to a drive-in movie theater and we were joking on the way in, uh, the, I mean the, literally there was a line wrapped around the block, uh, to hmm. get into this drive-in theater. This has become the new way to experience entertainment, to experience, um, movies, and it's and it's not a new way. It's an old way. But we were joking on the way in that the owners of this drive-in theater probably back in January or February, and they were just going, you know, it's we've had a good run, but it's just too hard. It's just too hard. People don't want to come to drive-in movies anymore. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this pandemic hits, and now their their business is booming. They're needing to find movies to show people every weekend, uh, you know, go back into the archives of what they have and get the rights again to show Back to the Future, to show Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, and, and, you know, show these movies to people because everybody just wants to be out and doing something. But that has triggered then for other organizations, for other businesses to go, oh, my goodness, the drive-in movie theater is back. How can we use that same idea in our world like what what is working for other businesses that wasn't working before that we can now steal and use for ourselves um and i think what you're talking about is you know how do we make it so that people can maybe park their car and the restaurant that they would normally come into what if in the parking space right by their car is a table that is also set up and we will come out and serve you with our mask on with our face shields on we will come out and serve you uh that way instead of you coming into the restaurant, because they're making use of somebody else's creativity. You know, it was Steve Jobs who said uh, something along the lines of, you know, I'm actually not really an inventor. I'm not, I don't make things that are new. I take what is working in one area and I take another industry that's working and I push them together and I merge things and I bring things together that weren't together before. And I think maybe that's a lot of what we're seeing when you talk about the difference of, of pivoting um, I think that's a lot of what we're seeing. 
Yeah, and I would I would say too, I would say that this idea of starting new things and stopping things that aren't working, I think that we have a tendency to just be quick about our thoughts around those things. So if we sit down and say, okay, what's working? Let's, let's list out five things. Okay, we got those five things listed. Now let's talk about what's not working. Let's list those five. Okay, we completed the project. Um, <laughs> this stuff takes a lot of time. I So with our organization, I tell our leaders to go, our leadership team to go take a couple days off. Go up into the mountains, go to the beach, go somewhere where you can be alone for an entire day or two days. And, and frequently for me, I do this for three days and all, or sometimes an entire week. Um, but I'll go by myself to a cabin or somewhere, maybe with one or two other people. And I will just spend a lot of time, like hours, just thinking and writing lists of things like this is working. This is not working. Why isn't it working? Let me list off the three things why this isn't working. If we spend a lot of time and get ourselves in the right frame of mind to actually think about these things, our brains can tell us some some really fascinating conclusions and results. And we don't have to go look at all the numbers. But then I would say on that execution side, if we're if we're going to actually change something or we're going to do something, we've got to really push it hard and do it. And then we have to be willing to say, uh, you know, to reevaluate and say it's it's either working or it's not. We need to move the tables out of the parking lot because our servers are getting hit by cars. Or, <laughs> you know, we've got to evaluate those things and we have to be willing to say, I made a mistake. It's time to try something different. And we we may have to try three or four times, but we need to spend a lot of time thinking about it and then do it. You have to actually do it. You have done an amazing job uh, with Dime of creating a culture of starting and stopping really easily. That we're going to, as long as things are working, great, happy to keep them going. But we're also going to start some new things to get some, you know, to get some, some new things going, some, some new things burning and cooking. But at the same time, if it doesn't go well, then let's go ahead and pull the plug and be done with that. And you have a culture that starts and stops things really easily. Just practically speaking, um, you know, maybe there, there are some listeners who, um, if they were to be honest with themselves, they've not been really good about creating a culture of change, a culture of readiness and ability and willingness to start and stop things. Um, how would you recommend somebody change that, <laughs> put that in place? Or is there a way for somebody who is just beginning, how do you, how do you build that into your culture of um, be a readiness and a willingness to start and stop things quickly and easily? So I'm an accountant. I have a degree in accounting. I'm not a CPA, but I own an accounting firm. So it was, it's really easy for me day one to say, I'm not the best accountant here. There are CPAs on our staff that are far better accountants than I am. So I don't have all the right answers necessarily when it comes to the tactical uh, day-to-day accounting stuff. So when I started the company, I went into it with that mindset. And so literally one of our, when, when I first started the company, I made a list of things that I said, I'm an employee here. This is what I expect out of employees. And I made a list of things that said, I'm an employer. This is what I expect out of my employees. So, uh, both sides of things and that list that I made that said, this is what I want an employee to look like. One of the very first things on that list is that I want employees to try things. 
I'm not, I don't have all the right answers, especially when it comes to the tactical accounting stuff. So I, and this is now in our employee handbook. I, I literally say, you will never get fired for trying something and failing, but it's possible <laughs> that you could get fired for not trying something that you think could work. Hmm. So I would much rather employees try something and fail than sit back and wait and just say, well, nobody told me to try it. So I didn't, I would much, I'd rather fail a hundred times and get a handful of really great things than get nothing at all. That's been in our DNA and our, our culture since literally since I made that list sitting in my uh, home office in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> I know it well. Um, <laughs> no, I had heard um, along these lines, I had heard uh, Pixar, they have a, they have a kind of a thought process in place where, you know, if you're, if you're standing at the base of two mountains and you don't know which mountain to climb, just start climbing one of them. Start climbing one of the mountains. If you realize that it's the wrong mountain, then you can come on back down and climb up the other mountain. But don't you dare just stand at the base of the mountains looking at both and weighing the cost <laughs> of which one should we choose? Which one should we choose? Instead, try something. Just run up one of the mountains. If it's the wrong mountain, you'll find out soon enough and you'll have time to come back down and go back up the other mountain. But it's the waiting. It's the sitting and waiting and going, ah, I don't know. I don't know which one I should choose. That's, that's the problem. And they won't allow that. Well, think, think about this. You own, if you own a restaurant and you've got waiters and waitresses that are, you know, serving people food all the time, all day, they're the front lines. They know exactly if these people like their food or not. They're watching and they're seeing, <laughs> right. man, for some, pe for some reason, people aren't finishing our chicken tacos. They're eating a couple <laughs> bites and putting them back. Yeah. Wouldn't that person be the right person to know if it's working or if it isn't working? So, you know, our, our bookkeepers in our accounting business, for example, they're on the front lines. They know, man, we're reconciling this big, long bank statement and it's, it doesn't work. We should be able to import it into the system. Well, they're the ones that know that. I don't, I don't remember the last time I reconciled a bank statement. So I need to, I need to figure out a way to get that information from them or to allow them to try to import it themselves or make the change and see if it works. And if it does, Share it with us. Let the whole company benefit from your efforts and from what you, you know, what you've learned. Um, so we've talked a lot about starting and stopping, but there's this other, <laughs> there's this other category of keeping, keeping doing and maintaining. And, and I, I posed the question early on, you know, what are, what are, what's Ben's criteria for starting something? What's Ben's criteria for stopping something? And we've talked about that, but also what is your criteria for maintaining the essentials? And I would love for you to talk a little bit about, because I know that you have some thoughts on essentialism. I know that this is something that has kind of overtaken you and your wife and your family and, and the, and the company. It has taken over this mentality. It's not only a business practice, but it's a lifestyle for you. Can can you talk about essentialism? Oh, I would love to. I think so much of essentialism has to do with personality, by the way. And I've, I've heard you talk about Enneagram. I happen to be a, an Enneagram eight. I believe and that. If you know anything about an eight, we don't have a problem telling people no. We don't have a problem <laughs> stopping things. <laughs> I am married to an eight, so I know all okay. about it. Yeah. So you know. Um, 
So when it comes to essentialism, what I noticed in our family in particular was my wife is a seven. And so, which I understand you're a seven, right? I am. Oh my goodness. We have so much to talk about in yes. regards to our, <laughs> in regards to our <laughs> when we get off the air, you and I are going to exchange notes as to how, what, what can I do as a seven? What can I do to be a better seven to my eight? So my seven, my wife, she loves to say yes to everything. Of course, we're going to go. Yes, it's going to be so fun. Let's go. We're all going to do it. So, so for a long time in our marriage, this was a point of tension. And it, it still is from time to time. But when we read the book Essentialism, what really clicked with us was I'm an intentional person. I'm very, uh, I'm very direct. I'm okay with saying no. And she's intentional, but she loves to say yes, and she loves to have fun. So how do we get closer to to getting our worlds together so that she doesn't feel like I'm always saying no, and I don't feel like she's always saying yes? And so that's what essentialism got us to. So we literally, in our, in our relationship, we say, is this what's best for our family? Is this going to help us become more of who God wants our family to look like or more of what God wants our marriage to look like. And if not, then that's the filter for making decisions. And then I usually get to be the one to say, Hey, we're not going to be able to make it. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that. So essentialism, just so we're all on the same page, the, the idea of essentialism is to place a tremendous amount of focus and effort onto the few and forgetting uh, or pushing aside the many. So uh, as opposed to making a millimeter of progress in a million directions, let's make a tremendous amount of progress in one or two or three directions. And so we've uh, we've done that in our family and then same in the business. So when you talk about keeping doing things, we at the very beginning of our business, um, I said, I just want to do bookkeeping for churches and that's a very narrow focus. And we've been able to to grow out of just that narrow focus because there's so much overlap in some other industries. But from day one, we pay bills, record deposits, produce financial statements for churches. That's what we do. And so uh, it's very, very focused. It's very intentional. And, you know, we we don't go outside of that very often. So what happens to me, the other side of the eight is I feel like we can do anything. So instead of distracting our accounting firm from doing uh, what they're called to do, I go and start other entities and hire other people to sort of do those other things that I think we could do without distracting our core business, if you will. All right. So wrapping up a little bit here, I am absolutely going to do a pivot right now on the podcast on this episode. And that is, I've heard you say before that if you, if it were up to you, everybody would go and talk to their accountants in regard to their taxes in October. They would not wait until January, <laughs> February, or March to talk to their accountants. So I would be, I would be remiss if I did not give you an opportunity to remind people to talk to their accountants about taxes now. Begin the process now. So especially for creative people or uh, sole proprietors or freelancers, um, lots of actors, creative people. Um, we work with lots of them. And if you wait till, till March or April to talk to your accountant, you are three or four months too late. So you have to make any changes you're going to make 
in the current year. So it is most important for you to meet with your accountant in September or October and let them sort of review your year for you. And they will tell you, hey, by the end of the year, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Pay this much money to the IRS or you know, put this much money into an IRA or whatever it might be. Buy some equipment if you need to buy some equipment, whatever it might be. Do that now. You have until you know the end of the year to do that. And then when you go to get your tax return done in April, it is way easier and there are no surprises. So in April, it's too late to make any changes and there's going to be surprises. So go in now. They would much rather meet with you now than they would in April anyway, because they're all super busy in March and April. So meet with them now. Pretty much get your whole tax return done now. Thank you so much for for that reminder, Ben. So we are going to wrap things up. So we want this to be a, a super practical, very helpful bit of information that's coming at you every month or so from this podcast. And so if there are listeners, if there are any topics or any questions that you have moving forward, we have, Ben and I have some thoughts and ideas on some things that we would like to chat about. But if there are some practical nuts and bolts questions that you have, please reach out to us. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Rob A. Lott. You can direct message me there. Ben, is there a good place for people to send in questions that they might have? Yeah. Hello at dime.is. Hello at dime.is. Great. Um, yeah. So, so any questions or any, any topic suggestions that you might have? Uh, cause again, we want this to be, we are here for you. We want this to be a helpful avenue for you to, uh, just simplify the business, simplify what you're doing. Only do the essentials to quickly and easily start and stop doing things. That's what this is all about. Would you agree, Ben? Yeah. And one thing I'll add to the end of this is, um, I mentioned earlier on that I have a, for 15 years or so, I've been doing this annual process of just kind of evaluating things. I'll go ahead and put that process and those notes on uh, our blog at simpledime.com. And uh, people can download, <laughs> download my little workbook if they want. And yeah. it's, it's a personal thing I made by myself, but um, it's been very helpful for our business and our family. So anybody can go out there and download it there. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, listeners. We will see all of you back here next month. 